When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the show. It is August 16th, 2021. We're cruising through the year, and I'm joined with my man, Rich, the intern. He's been down here all summer, doing a killer job. Rich, how was your uh, weekend? It was pretty good. Got to check out Barton Springs, see uh, new parts of Austin, so it was pretty fun. All right, yeah, Barton Springs. Um, I guess for those who don't know, it's like this, geez, what is it, maybe size of three football fields. It's a yeah. natural springs pool. It's all like icy cold all year long. What was your experience like? Uh, it was fun, man. You know, you know, coming from New York, we got a lot of beaches, so you don't really get to see things like that. So that was that was a new experience. It was really fun. All right, all right. Any highlights? Um, I saw some interesting things. <laughs> like what? <laughs> um, I guess the the people. You know, yeah. uh, how, how they dress. I, I guess I'll leave it at that. I don't know. It's not New York. It's not New York. No. And, um, and it's not Pennsylvania. But uh, to that, let's bring on our guest today. He is 2021 Olympic bronze medalist, Thomas Gilman, 57 kilos. How are you doing today, Thomas? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet, man. Thanks for coming on. Um, so we had you on, I think, in, in um, April, right after the trials. April 13th, actually, because they just told me that. But um, how many chicken have you acquired since April 13th? We got six more since then. Okay. So we're rolling at uh at nine right now. All right, nine chickens. I like that. Yeah. Um. So I guess you know let's let's kind of get to the trials. I guess. Um. Coming in, did it feel any different? You know, especially with the year layoff and everything else, right? Did it feel like the eighteen or nineteen trials or seventeen trials, and and the fact that it was an Olympic thing, did it did it give you a bigger sense of I don't know. Or was it just the next thing in front of you? Uh, it was just kind of the next thing in front of me. Um, it was a little different, you know. Um, we had to go back to 2017, really, to have that kind of format, you know, where it was a full bracket, you know, wrestle through the bracket. Um, nobody sitting out, obviously. But um, I, enjoy, I enjoyed it. You know, it was just uh, another tournament. You know, I felt really good and, and uh, got the job done. And it was just part of the – the process you know we had to get that taken care of and get that behind us before we go on and, and focus on the real goal and that was um olympic gold so uh, it was nice to, to win that and kind of get some of those matches under my belt and kind of test some things out as far as um you know my, my weight drop and, and descent and nutrition stuff and, and everything was perfect you know everything was humming 100 percent. you know and then we just 
you know, replicated that going into the Olympic Games. And I felt even better at the Olympic Games and uh, came with bronze. So um, it was good. Yeah, you talk about this 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 descent and, and doing your nutrition a certain way. I don't know. Was this the first time you had that approach, or was it a, was it a different approach than the way you've done it in the past? Yeah, completely different. Um, in the past, I, I really just kind of, I really prided myself on kind of doing it the right way and, and having good nutrition and and kind of keeping my weight within striking distance all the time. And um, after coming out here to Penn State, you know that they do things a little bit, bit differently. You know, working with Coach Cal out in California, you know everything's down to a science. You know, so um, kind of got my my numbers as far as like my body fat, my metabolism rate, what I'm burning as far as fats to carbs and everything. So we kind of adjusted my, my nutrition, you know, down to, down to science. So eating more different types of foods, you know, my nutrition's always been good, but I never, you know, it was always just, you know, I didn't know any better. You know, just eat some fruits, eat some vegetables, eat some proteins and carbs and call it a day. But, you know, after being here and working with coach Cal and coach Cody, uh, we kind of dialed that in, you know, cause after doing the testing, you know, I needed, different kinds of nutrients and, and micronutrients and macronutrients. So just kind of had that really dialed in and down to science and, you know, kind of counting calories. Uh, it, was a, it was a different experience, you know. So just uh, and it, it was really actually it was, it was much easier. You know, it was a lot less stress because we had a game plan, you know, a six month plan essentially to, to get down to weight for, for the trials. And I just had to follow the plan and, and have faith in that plan. And we got down and I probably the best I've ever felt. Um, you know, just because I let my body kind of relax a little bit. You know, I wasn't holding my weight down for, for that whole time. We kind of dropped it down incrementally. You know, I think it was like a half pound a week or something like that. So it was it was very, very small changes. But um, those small changes over the weeks kind of added up. And my body composition just kind of changed over time. And and uh, just felt really good. You talk about like the testing, right? We did testing to see how many nutrients I needed or, or like what do those tests look like? I know how to count calories. You look at the back of the package and you see how many calories per serving. But like what are these, these – are they blood tests? Are they – I don't know. No, it's nothing quite invasive like that. You know, you just um, – uh, I really can't really explain it. Uh, it's kind of hard to explain unless you're, you're kind of there. But uh, just kind of trying to figure out – like things like going as far as, you know, there's a little breathing test and that breathing test kind of tells you uh, what, what you're burning, you know, fats to carbs or whatever. And, um, you know, getting on a, for me, it was a bike, um, but most guys are a treadmill to, to see like what your um, max heart rate is and your VO2 max and that kind of tailors in, in, in a certain way. But um, I really don't know. I just kind of sit there and let them run the test on me. But it's nothing super invasive. You know, yeah. it's stuff that, you know, we've all probably had done at the hospital uh -huh. um, before. We just don't really see that data that the doctor sees. Was it ever, did, was it not hard to do this, but was it like, was it weird to change things up since you're like, I, I eat good, I eat healthy, I'm within striking distance. This is how I do it. When, when another way maybe was suggested, were you all in or did you scratch your head a little bit and think or, or ask questions? I, I mean, I asked a lot of questions because I, I just yeah. want to know. I just want to, you know, be informed, you know. Um, but I was all in, you know, back um, a year and a half ago when me and my wife made the decision to, to move from Iowa City to State College. Um, you know, there's no question we had to be all in, you know. Things needed to change, you know. I needed to, you know, get better at the sport of wrestling and, and just change up the system a little bit, you know. So I had to – I knew I had to have an open mind and, and uh, 
you know, I was just going to be all in, you know, whatever the coaches said, you know, I was going to ask questions, but not question the process. Right. Yeah. It's, it's one thing to, to, to be informed, but it's another thing to kind of question what they're telling me to do. And, and you see the guys on the team, you know, on the college team and then the, uh, then the new line wrestling club with David and Kyle and, and all those guys, you know, so the process does work. Um, I knew it did. It was just different. So I had to just kind of have faith in the coaches and after kind of learning a little bit about it, you know, it was, uh, it was a big change, but uh, I was never hesitant about it, you know, because I knew that if I was going to do this, if I was going to accomplish my dream, that I need to be 100% bought in. And there would be no point in coming here if I wasn't going to be 100% bought in. So there was never a question, you know, obviously question to have information, but I never questioned um, what they were doing because I knew, I knew it was the right thing to do. I love, I love to ask questions, don't question the process. And I asked you that because I knew you, you're, you're the kind of guy who won't just sit, sure, whatever, you're going to ask questions. Um, so, and, and, and I think, you know, you said like, I knew I had to change the process or, or make changes. And this was one example of a change, the, the nutrition and, and everything you just described. W was there a change in the process that w proved most beneficial for you? I think just, uh, just the fact of letting my body relax a little bit, you know, I, I, I was having a really, I wouldn't say I was having a really hard time making weight. It was just kind of a miserable process, you know, kind of all the time, 12 months of the year. I was kind of always keep my weight within striking distance and it was like really stressful, you know, cause every day, twice a day, you're kind of working on your weight. And, um, you know, just the fact that, you know, your body, you know, we, we have these, um, we go through these cycles as human beings, you know, our, or our ancestors did a feast and famine. And, and I was kind of in a famine type mode all the time. So my body was always in fight and flight, fight or flight. And, um, I kind of, it really increases your stress. And uh, it's not, not a good way to live, you know, um, just in general to be healthy. So just kind of let my body relax um, and let that kind of feast mode come in. So just let the body know, hey, everything's okay. You know, kind of take it out of that fight mode. And um, then when it's time, you know, the body will react the way it needs to when, it, when it's time to, uh, to famine. So, uh, yeah, it was just – that was probably the biggest thing is, is – just letting the body relax and do what it needs to do. Maybe the, the number on the scale is maybe a little scary. It's a little high, higher than maybe even I would like to, to see or admit. But, you know, it's part of the process. You know, you got to let your body kind of relax and bounce back. And that's part of the recovery process because you're not going to recover if you're, you know, holding your weight down all the time like I was doing. So part of recovery is let your body just kind of have that feast mode and let it kind of do what it wants to do, what it needs to do. And then when it's time to, to take and to, for the body to give, it's going to give – a little bit better if you let it do what it wants. So sure. that was probably the, the hardest thing, but um, it's really paid off in my, in my recovery. As far as numbers go, what was, you know, what would you walk around at prior when you were with, what is striking distance? Five, eight, 10, 12 plus, or what, where would you stay pounds, not kilos? And then how, how big had you maybe got since adopting this new nutrition philosophy, whatever you want to call it? I, I would always try to be within like eight pounds, you know, uh, eight pounds coming into workout and leaving workout, you know, within, you know, three or four, you know, and um, that was hard. It was hard to do, but that was just kind of the, the old school way of doing it. That's kind of just the way that it was preached to me. And that's just the way everyone did it, you know? So uh, that's what we did. But um, now, you know, during COVID, I guess was when my body really, you know, when I first got to Penn state, let it really relax. You know, I maybe got up to, you know, topping out at like 46, but um you know, as you start getting into more of a routine and, and working out every day, you know, your body naturally kind of shrinks down a little bit. And then, um, then from there, it's just, you know, you're counting the calories and, 
and putting the right things in your body and, and adding a, an extra, you know, cardio here or there. So it comes off pretty easily, but, um, yeah, just going from, you know, being within eight pounds all the time to, to being up, you know, closer to 46, you know, walking around, that's, uh, that was a big difference, you know, and there's no competition coming up, so there shouldn't be any stress. Right. But you're still jumping on a scale. Like, Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't like that. You know, cause you're so, um, you know, I'm not, I don't like math. I was never good at math, but I was, I joke about it with coach Cody, you know, I'm not a math guy, but I'm a numbers guy. You know, you see, see the number on the scale, you know, stuff like counting the calories or whatever. So it's kind of fun. It doesn't really ever go away. I still step on the scale. I'm like, uh, less is better. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Um, um, okay. So I guess, I guess back, back to the trials. I think we started with the trials. Um, were you surprised at all that, that Vito made it to, to the finals? Um, didn't seem like necessarily a favorite to make the finals. Um, I, was, I guess it was a I wasn't, I, I wasn't super surprised. I mean, he, he's, a, he's a very um, tough competitor. You know, he, he's a competitive guy, and, and he's got some good skills. He's fast. He's, you know, he's quick. And uh, if you're not careful off those whistle starts where, you know, he got me in that first match, you know, he can be very dangerous and, and things might – potentially get out of, out of hand really quick because he's, he comes out really hard. So um, I wasn't super surprised. You know, that's kind of what he did to fix. You know, I, I was kind of expecting fix to come out in that bottom half of the bracket. But, you know, the, I kind of went back and watched that match, and I wasn't really surprised, you know. Um, he just kind of came out to a to an early lead and just kind of stung him a couple of times off the whistle and with some quick, quick attacks, and um, it's where he's really good. So I wasn't really super surprised. Sure. Uh Okay, so uh, obviously you weren't healthy all summer, right? Yeah, I, I read a blog. Um, you hurt your foot at some point. I'm, I believe it happened in the trials. It could be wrong, but is this something we can talk about? And and if so, did it happen at the trials? Yeah, I mean, let's talk about it. Um, yeah, it happened at the trials. is the first match of the finals. And so if you guys remember, um, right off the whistle, uh, Beto came out, took me down, turned me on the edge. And uh, we came back to the middle, and he, he shot right off the whistle. You know, like I was saying, it's his M.O. You know, let's try to – you know, he had got a four-point lead. He wanted to make it six and kind of put it maybe out of range, you know, then he can coast on that. Um, so he shot right off the whistle, and, um, you know, I was ready for the shot, and I kind of stopped it, and he kept trying to drive and, and push push me out for the push out, and I kind of made a, like a last stand there in the, in the zone and, and kind of playing on my foot. Um not funny just just playing really hard on my foot and just felt the pain just rushed to my foot you know there wasn't I didn't feel a pop or a snap or anything it was just immediate pain and uh I had this blunt just this one half second thought like oh I broke my foot like I, I just knew something was not right but I kind of pulled my stuff together and you know went out and ended up pinning in that match and was able to you know, run off and get out out of the arena before anyone kind of really realized um, I was injured. Um, but we got back to the back and uh, started kind of limping, limping back. And Coach Cody said, uh, this is a great story. Uh, Coach Cody said, uh, what's going on? What's going on? I was like, I think I broke my foot. And I was, he's like, okay, uh, all right. <laughs> and let's uh, get the trainer and see what we can do. And then so Coach Kale comes running up right after, you know, good job, good job. And then he must've saw the look on coach Cody's face and he's like, Oh, what's going on? And I looked at him. I said, I banged up my foot. I think I broke my foot. And he said, okay, uh, so what? 
you know, you know, so what? You broke your foot. You know, you got one more match. You're on the Olympic team. Let's, you know, see the trainer figure out. But so what? You got one more match to go and we'll figure it out after. So it's kind of just a little bit of levity, you know, in, in that tense moment that was was very appreciated. You know, it's kind of like for a slight second, you maybe want to feel sorry for yourself, have people maybe feel sorry for you. And then Coach Kale's just like, so what? You know, you have a broken foot. You know, let's suck it up and get back out there. <laughs> so, yeah. So they they examined the foot and there wasn't much you could do about it. You know, it's, it is what it is. And then um, it wasn't broken, so that was good. And they thought maybe I got turf toe. So they taped it for turf toe. And then uh, I started walking around and they asked me how it felt. And I just said, it feels, feels great. It feels good. You know, but it didn't. It didn't help at all. The tape didn't help <laughs> at all. So I knew that it wasn't turf toe, but I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> so, uh, and then, you know, I, it's kind of my MO to kind of run out to the mat and like kind of just bring all my energy and my intensity yeah. to the mat. And um, it kind of worked out because I was red the first match and then blue the second match. And so I ended up going out after Vito. So uh, he, he walked out there, ran out there, whatever he did. And then I was just behind him. So he wasn't able to, to see me kind of limping my way out there. You know, I still was able to run out there. You know, I had to. You know, I had to bring that, that energy with me. But um, it wasn't the same trot that I usually have. And, you know, I got up on that mat and got that takedown and, you know, got the job done. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. It wasn't the way I wanted to win. But... I, I did enough and, and that's all it took, you know. Um, then we uh, got the foot evaluated, you know, just moving forward, got the foot evaluated, find out I have a, a Liz Franck injury. And, uh, you know, the doctor here in Penn State is really good. And he's like, well, I, if, this, if you weren't going to the Olympic Games, you know, I would, you know, schedule for surgery this week. And I'm like, all right, well, that's not an option. And he looked at me and said, no, it's not an option. So we'll figure it out. So we got some different things in, in orthotic for my shoe and, and uh, different things um, that helped out a lot. And then um, ended up going in a boot for, I don't know how long, maybe three weeks I was in a boot and ended up having to go to camp, um, national team camp, and got evaluated by two different doctors there. And they said the same thing. I mean, surgery is the only option. I was like, well, it's not an option because you're going to the Olympic Games. You don't understand. You know, I done this for 20 years and we're here and we're not gonna bow down because of an injury you know it's, mm -hmm. it's not not an option and they try to talk me into surgery saying oh you're gonna have arthritis and different things i'm just kind of you can just kind of laugh at the surgeon because he's like well i'm gonna have arthritis in every other joint in my body you know you don't understand my <laughs> occupation so add just one more thing to it you know and uh, so that, that didn't do anything, anything to convince me but i get it you know surgeons you know their job is to do surgery and if they they, 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 their view is this big, you know, and, and I can't blame them for that. But um, we were at we were at camp, and Coach Kale um, asked me if I was open to go and see this guy that he knows in, in California. And I said, Yeah, you know, if if I can get it, you know, five percent better, one percent better, whatever it is, you know, let's let's make it happen. So I went out there, and um, it was kind of a it was a humbling experience, you know. Like he talked about healing on four different planes, you know, the physical, obviously, the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual. And you can't fully heal until you get all those planes to intersect. And so that was the bulk of the trip was trying to get these planes to intersect. You know, the physical part is the easy part, you know, putting the work, the rehab, whatever it might be. But the other parts are the, are the hard part, you know, the, the praying, that's hard sometimes, you know, because you want to just ask God why, you know, instead of asking for 
for forgiveness or for healing power, you know. Um, the mental is hard, you know, but the hardest probably is the emotional, you know, letting go of some of this emotional baggage and stress and trauma that you had from way back when, just kind of letting go of that and, and moving full speed ahead. So uh, I went out there thinking I was going to get my foot healed, and I did get my foot healed. It, it in the process was healed. You know, it was a process to get it healed after that too. I just keep up with my my routines and my physical and all those different planes. But um, it was definitely an emotional experience. And you know, I remember sitting there across from this guy, and uh, he was working on me for one and a half days. And then he's like, "All right, sit down. We have some things we need to talk about." I was kind of like, "What are you talking about? You know, I'm here to get my foot." worked on you know work on my foot or my body whatever it needs to be but i'm not going to sit here and talk about my feelings you know <laughs> oh man you know we don't do that we just internalize it but then uh, i realized you know very quickly that that's the root of the issue you know i have all these emotions and, and this stress and trauma that i'm not letting go of you know i just keep it bundled up inside and it kind of manifested in my foot you know so it was a it was a process and um very grateful for the for the whole experience you know obviously nobody wants to get injured or or hurt but um it kind of led me to this guy and kind of fixed some issues that i had uh emotionally and and mentally that uh were never addressed and quite frankly i just didn't even realize i i had you know they're just buried deep in those chambers and opened up those chambers and put it in the past and let it go and let's move forward because we need plenty of drama not drama trauma you know going forward in life you know so um just have to f figure out how to deal with it when that comes. Is Helen, I, I, I went with Helen, I was out visiting Helen one time. She went to a, a doctor, very similar. Do you know if this, she's used this guy? Talked about totally emotional and, and physical healing and the blend of all, I don't know if you used the planes, but. Um, I know Helen has seen this guy one time. Um, okay. I think, yeah, one time. He, he came to State College and, and worked on a bunch of us because um, he's actually, he's from Pennsylvania, so he's back and so he offered uh, to work on some of us, but um, sounds I, like a different guy. She does have another person down in Maryland that that she goes to the for similar similar type yeah. um, stuff. So I, I know that she's seen him one time, but uh, I do know that she's got another guy that she talked about down in uh, in Maryland, I believe. At what point in this process did you realize they're not? This isn't physical, strictly physical rehab, right? They're not just here to like fix whatever's just technically wrong with my foot. Like, when did it become apparent to you? Like, whoa, this is, like you said, we were talking about emotions. Like, what is it? When did that become aware, apparent to you? And like, how did it unravel in your mind, if that makes sense? Or how did you like come to accept it, I guess, sir? Um, it was kind of, looking back, it was kind of, he was kind of leading up to it from the very beginning, you know, cause we got there and he was kind of analyzing my body. And, and first he said, you know, could, the foot was just a symptom, you know, it's not the cause. So we started with my, with my hips and my, my glutes and stuff because I was way too tight and I was overcompensating because of my hamstring injury. And then um, he kept talking about the planes and, and healing all these planes, but you know, I was just there for physical therapy essentially. Yeah. So I, it just kind of went right over my head. But um, I think it really hit me when, when he sat me down and we sat across from each other and, and kind of had a kind of duke it out a little bit, you know, with my, my, my ego, you know, <laughs> I had to really put that aside. So after, after, you know, we worked on my, myself, uh, emotionally, you know, then, then I was like, 
completely opened up. You know, it, it was much easier to kind of because some of the stuff we were doing, it, it was it was borderline torture. You know, it was like a lot of deep. You mean physical or like physical? It, well, physical, yeah, yeah. And one of the reasons it was, it was so torturous for me physically was because I I wasn't I wasn't okay with myself emotionally. So I wasn't breathing. I wasn't letting those emotions go. You know, so once I kind of opened myself to up to them emotionally, which sounds kind of weird, um, my body was able to give more. So I, I, I wasn't in so much pain and torture when he's kind of working on my body um, with some of that deep tissue kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I think after he kept kind of hinting at it with the four planes and stuff, but after we kind of sat down and talked about um, the trauma that I've had, you know, he's telling me about this trauma that I have. But I've never told anybody about some of this stuff that he's talking about. He's saying, you know, you're holding tension and stress up here in your, in your upper back. And that's because of X, Y, and Z trauma from childhood or early adulthood. I'm like, okay, you know, you're on to something and, and let's just run with it. And then, uh, yeah, it's, it's very hard to explain, but it was, uh, it was, it was very en enjoyable looking back. And, and you don't have to like describe the trauma if you don't want, but like, at what point did you realize, even if you didn't realize what that trauma was, that you're right, there is trauma? Or did you just kind of allude to that? I think that one, once you kind of just start, someone starts probing at it and then they, they just kind of, you just start talking about it and then just kind of, everything starts just flowing. You know, it's kind of like a, like a therapist, you know, they get you That's talking about one thing and then you start talking about another and then another and another and then you might not even know what's going on or what went on but because it's just because a lot of times when you have especially early tra childhood trauma you you bury it so deep and you just don't ever acknowledge it and you maybe don't even know you have it because it's just human instinct to bury it so deep and it's in the deepest chamber of your body but then it's you know like i'm talking about like like a therapist you know you just talk about one thing that leads to another and they sit there and they they kind of guide the conversation they, take you deeper and deeper into this emotion and eventually you're just like oh well we're, we, we made it to the root of the issue but you don't really know how you got there because you're just kind of slowly letting yourself go emotionally yeah when you did make it to the root of whatever the issue was was it was it like oh my god or was it like oh yeah uh, yeah like did you was it was it uh perplexing to you or was it like oh i actually do remember this yeah, yeah, it's kind of like an aha moment, you know, and, mm -hmm. and he kind of equated it like this, um, you know, especially men, men, we, we hold on to this, this, this trauma because it's our ego. And then we think that kind of drives us, you know, like, oh, I was, um, someone wronged me or, you know, so-and-so abused me. And so I'm going to use that to drive me forward and, and blah, blah, blah. You know, those are just examples, mm -hmm. but actually it hinders you because you, you hold on to that trauma and it creates stress in your body and it manifests in different ways. Some people it's, it, for me, it was my foot. For some people it's migraines. For some people it's, um, you name it, you know? So when you hold on to this, this trauma, it creates stress and that stress manifests itself in different ways. And sometimes it's just, it's just, um, like an emotional thing where you just, uh, you have trouble relating to people and you just lash out at people for no reason. You know, you don't know why you're just an emotional person, you think, you know, so you're just moody and you lash out. But that actually can be brought back to some some trauma, which creates stress and manifests it through through an emotion, you know. Yeah. Not that you're necessarily a moody or lash out kind of person, but you've been kind of outspoken over the years. Right. And you, you're 
sound bites. Do you think some of that could have been because of this? Like, was that what you were just describing a little bit? Maybe I was a certain way because of something you were holding on to? I think maybe. I think there's a, there's an argument there for sure. I think um, the biggest thing that I think is, is I, I was kind of trying to find myself for all these years, you know. Um, I've always been kind of an outspoken, ornery kind of person. Um, and then going to the University of Iowa, um, you know, you you know, I always want to be like Tom and Terry Brand. So I kind of had this, this alter ego that I was kind of putting out, you know, I was kind of trying to figure out who I was as a person. And then, um, you know, you kind of, you know, instead of being myself, my own person, you know, I was kind of trying to be someone else, this alter ego. And then as you grow older and you kind of mature and become more of your own person, you kind of just, um, you come into whatever, whatever you really are. But I think for a long time, I was just uh, not uncomfortable with myself, just, I just didn't know who I was. So I was trying, you know, not trying different things out, but um, you just kind of have this alter ego and then maybe it's your, maybe, then it's your ego. So people are like talking about it and then all of a sudden there's this expectation of you to act a certain way. Then you become a caricature, caricature of yourself and you keep kind of going down that path, you know? And I think some of it was, was truly myself. You know, I was just a young, honorary kid. I didn't know any better. Yeah. You know, I've always been that way. But some of it I think um, was just uh, you know, there's this expectation and I just gave the people what they, what they expected. Sure. Um, so you went to California, had this seemingly pretty profound experience that went way beyond a hurt foot. And, and you, you learned a lot about uh, deep, you know, emotions and things maybe you're holding on to. The foot itself, how, you know, was it like, it, was, it wasn't just healed, right? I'm guessing it was like gotten better and what, it, I think, and what was the progression like? I guess through the rest of the summer. And when when did you go to California? It was um, beginning of May. Okay. So it was, yeah, it was his first week of May. Yeah, because I remember I I came back from camp, went to California, then went back to my hometown for my cousin's wedding, and then came back to State College. So it was first week of May, and um, it's it started to get better slowly, and uh, I was able to get back on the mat. I was out of my boot, back on the mat. Um, and then maybe once a practice, you know, I would, I would kind of get in a position where it was usually kind of like in a scramble type position. I just kind of turned funny on it and uh, I'd feel it, you know, something would, it would, you know, it would catch or whatever the, the foot does, you know? And so I was like, Oh, all right, we're good. We're done for the day. You know, that that's, we pushed the threshold and, and we're there. So take, take the rest of the day off. And then it kind of got to the point where it was maybe every third day, you know, maybe something would happen. And then it was like once a week, you know, kind of would, I would do something funny to it. And then, uh, they got to the point where it was like, I didn't feel it for a long time. Um, maybe two weeks or two and a half weeks. I didn't feel it. And I was so stupid. Um, I was shoveling rock out of the back of my truck and, of course you were. and I just, you know, jumped off the, the tailgate and on both my feet and boom, it sh <laughs> sent a shockwave like right up my spine. And I was like, oh, yeah, we just, that was it. You know, that hurt really bad. But then, um, you know, I got back and did, did some of my exercises right away and kind of put a lot of energy into it and prayed about it. And then it kind of went, it was fine, you know, which sounds funny. But it's amazing how much if you just sit there and meditate and pray and put energy towards one part of your body, you know, it, it, can, it can go a long way. But then, uh, you know, whenever I jump off the tailgate now, I kind of jump on the, my, my good foot, not my <laughs> bad foot, not, not on both of them. You know, I thought if I jump on both of them, it'd be fine, you know, but no, uh, just, just, just one foot now.
Yeah. But yeah, and then leading up to the to the, to the games, I, I didn't feel it at all. You know, didn't. there wasn't any. You know, the last you know, let's say four weeks uh, training cycle. You know, we, there was no no pain, no nothing. So I mean, it's uh, it's pretty much healed as good as it's gonna get. I think so. I'm guessing there was never a question was whether or not you're gonna go wrestle, right? Not a question. Yeah, that's what I. Not I, a question. I assume. Um, I mean, we'll cut it off if we need to. <laughs> Somebody actually said that. They're like, dude, you got to cut Gimlin's foot off. He, he, there's no way this guy's not going to wrestle. Um, yeah, no. Did it, you know, by hurt, I mean like that that painful. Did that happen at all at the last four weeks, anytime during during the competition and the camp while you're over there in the Getzgawa? Nothing. Nothing. No, nothing. Wow. So just right, right in time. You know, we couldn't ask for better timing. You know, my training was perfect. Everything was perfect going in. You know, I was completely healthy. Body's healthy. Mind was healthy. Spirit was good. So it was just perfect timing. Sweet. Um, COVID kind of played a, a big role in these games, or at least the, the process around it. Did it, I don't know, what kind of impact did it make to you? Was it just a bunch of tests and that's that? Or was there anything more to it? I think that I really appreciated it because... Um, obviously the Olympic games are, it's a very unique experience period to begin with, but then throwing COVID on top of it, um, it made it a little bit more unique. You know, we had to do the testing every day. Um, there's a lot of different protocols. Um, it kind of made things a little more difficult as far as getting training partners in and out of the, the training venue. So we had to be, we just had to be creative, you know, and I, I appreciated that we had to, you know, work on the fly a lot of times, you know, sometimes, you know, our plan wouldn't work or didn't work so we had to go to plan b or just figure it out on the fly so there are a lot of a lot of variables that um were out of our control and, and just the way that we had to adapt was it was kind of it was, it was fun it was a good experience um it makes you um makes you very, you have to be very stoic in these situations right because there's x amount of things you can control and actually there's a lot of things you can control you know how you react to the situation how you're eating your nutrition your your weight control your um, your sleep. There's all these things that are in, in your control, your attitude, but there's a lot of things out of your control, the testing, you know, um, couldn't get my workout partner, Jordan in the, into the arena, you know, for, for competition day or any other day. So we had a, a mat set up in the hotel, you know, which was just a, like a one mat, you know, situation. And um, it was as ideal, ideal as you could get, but it still wasn't perfect. Right. Yeah. So it, it was a, uh, it, it was it was a good experience. It was fun. It was very unique, and and I'm just very grateful for the USA Wrestling and the USOPC for uh, you know dealing with all the logistics issues. You know, I wouldn't want Cody Bickley's job <laughs> if you offered me unlimited money. You know that that amount of stress I couldn't I wouldn't know what to do. You know, but he, he handled it like a champ, and and kudos to to the support team because they I mean they were you know on top of everything. So it, it was it was good. It was a good good situation. Yeah. But the one thing that was hard, you know, uh, we had to do those spit tests every day. And we've all been there, you know, day of weigh-ins, you know, you got a little cotton mouth. Try doing that spit test the day of weigh-ins. Um, that was probably the hardest thing of the whole event. Well, thanks. Um, so as, as we lead up to competition, well, like, first of all, do you like, you know, I'm thinking when draws come out and you got to look at your path, but before that, are you like, do you, that you study opponents, watch film? get yourself acquainted. And I know you know a lot of these guys anyways because you've been wrestling 57 kilos the entire quad. But uh, does, I don't know, anything different going to it this year? 
Um, I think the the one thing that's different is is there's just a little bit more, um, a little more urgency, right? It only happens one one time every four years, so um, a little bit more urgency to be on top of things, on top of my training and, and, and my my scouting and stuff. So um, I I, I kind of when when I was at camp, you know, I was in a boot, so I could only do so much. Um, so I was getting a little antsy, you know, seeing guys train and being on the mat. And uh, so one thing I did was I just opened up a Word document and just wrote down all 16 guys that are in the in the um, in the weight class. And I went through and highlighted everybody I wrestled before, and it was ended up being just under half the guys. And so um, after that, you know, it's like, all right, well, wrestled half the guys. I've beat all of them, and some of them have beaten me as well. So I kind of went back and um, just wrote down some notes on each of my opponents, like. Um, this guy, you know, uh, let's take the Iranian, for example, last time we wrestled, we wrestled four times now and two times I've beaten him. And one time he beat the last time we wrestled, he beat me. It was in Iran and I circled left right into his high crotch two times. So I knew he's got a very good high crotch and it's how he took down Ugoyev in that, in that match. So I knew that I had to keep circling right. I couldn't circle left cause I circled right into his shot. Um, so just kind of write down things like that, like maybe where the opponent's really good. You know, Goya, for example, um, never wrestled him, but I've seen plenty of his matches. We've been in brackets together. Uh, he's very good off whistle starts. He scores all his points off the whistle, off the whistle, or, uh, you know, a restart out of bounds or whatever it might be with that kind of super slow kind of super duck type um, thing. And, and it's very, it's just, it's very deceiving, you know, after feeling it, it's, it's very unique. And then uh, he's obviously he's good on top. He's got a good gut. He turns just about everybody. So just writing down things like that. And then um, the the last thing I did was um, obviously there's 16 guys in the weight, and I and I had my name in there. So I just went to my name and I typed in 2021 Olympic gold medalist and highlighted it in gold. And so that was kind of my way of like solidifying my my place there in that bracket and just kind of starting to manifest. Um, manifest my dream that way you know and then uh guys that i didn't haven't wrestled uh or wasn't super familiar with like the uzbek guy i've never wrestled him he's younger kid you know newish on the scene i I went back and watched half dozen of his matches and just kind of got a feel for him not necessarily their technique but just kind of their emotions and how they hold themselves throughout the match you know what if they're um winning how how, how do they kind of hold themselves what if uh they're in a scramble and they win the scramble. How do they come up out of that scramble? How do they go through a scramble and lose the scramble? How do they respond to that? You know, you can learn a lot about a guy and kind of find the chinks in his armor within the match that way emotionally. And um, you think of uh, that Iranian, um, very good wrestler, very, you know, pretty fundamental, but he's, uh, he's very emotional. You know, if things go his way, He's very good, you know. He, the momentum's going his way. He's very confident. But once one thing goes wrong, maybe he's in on a shot and he doesn't score. Maybe he has you stopped on a shot and you score. Um, things kind of go south for him. He gets a little too wrapped up in in, in the moment and in, in, in that score. So just kind of figuring out guys that I haven't wrestled, just kind of the, their their emotions and how they how they kind of hold themselves throughout the match. Um, then I, you know, sent that uh, word document to Coach Cody, and you know, just so he has it, and just my thoughts on it. And then, you know, he, he can do what he wants with it. You know, he yeah. he can add his notes or whatever. And then, you know, he kind of gave me some 
some pointers and tips on certain guys, you know, just kind of themes throughout uh, what he's seeing, you know, whistle starts, swim high crotch, you know, that's kind of a big theme now in the international wrestling. And, um, yeah, but the biggest thing, we didn't really scout too much um, beyond that. It was more just focusing on, on me and what I do best. You know, I there's a couple positions I need to, to work on. Obviously, you know, it's um, it's been my kind of kryptonite the last few years is finishing the single below the knee. And so we worked a lot in that position, me and Jordan Conway, you know, he's probably the best guy um, to be in that position with because he's so scrambling, he's so snaky. So we got in that position a lot. Head on the outside single, um, high crotch position. You know, I, I've been hitting more high crotches, but I've been, you know, wrestling with, with Jordan and, and Roman and guys like Nick Lee, especially, you know, kind of sitting in the corner on me and, and kind of crotch lifts me and kind of squirming around. Um, if they're not scoring scoring and I'm scoring, it's just too long. It's, it's a long finish. So just working on those positions and and just really focusing on, on myself and, and what I do best. And, and it came out in, in the games. You know, I, I was getting my shots. I get my shots off. And I was, my finishes were superb, um, the best finishes I've ever had. You know, below the knee, above the knee, head on the inside, head on the outside. You know, I was even putting my head on the outside against that Iranian. Um, I was just so confident in all those positions just because I wasn't worried about what my opponents are doing. I was just taking my, my fight to them, and, and they can deal with it. That's really interesting, the, <clears throat> the uh, scouting of the emotions rather than, like, as you hit this, as you hit that, lead this way. I, I, you did mention circle against the Iranians, circle right, but this, this whole other way of, like, scouting um, their emotions, how they react to leads, losing scrambles, winning scramble, etc., one, have you, have you ever done that before? I don't think you have, but I, maybe. And two, does any of that go back to the conversations you had in California with that doctor where you're like getting in tune with, I think he was a doctor or the ther physical therapist or whatever, right? Where yeah, you're getting well, in tune yeah, with your emotions. He's a doctor. Do those things correspond at all? Yeah. Um, I don't know exactly when I started paying attention to that kind of stuff. Um, I remember having conversations with Mark Perry, uh, you know, back few years ago or maybe even just as soon as a year ago before I left like um, you know some of these like the Dagestan guys you know not just the wrestlers but the fighters too that like Habib for example you know they're very good they're very talented but if you kind of get them emotionally invested and emotionally involved in, in the match or in the fight they um, they're emotional people you know so they you can maybe exploit that kind of thing and uh, you know Habib is so good you know that no, no one's able to exploit that and I don't know if anybody was um, trying to or knew um, was thinking that way but um, one thing that we talked about with a uh, doctor in California was just you know one thing that you're gonna have to do to, to win an Olympic gold medal is is just be just be there just be there you know don't be anywhere else don't be thinking about home don't be thinking about anything else just think about you and be present and um, that kind of ties into these guys getting emotional you know when you start thinking about the last score or what that guy did to you or what you didn't do, you know, you're kind of caught up in the past, you know, even if it's five seconds ago, you know, in order to beat the best guys in the world, you have to be, you have to be there. You have to be there hundred percent. You know, you can't be in the future, can't be in the past. You just have to be there. That's, that's it. And it sounds so simple, but so simple. Um, all, say that. we've all been there. It's super hard to just be in the moment. And that's um, something that, uh, that you can exploit, you know, when the guys start getting frustrated or emotional that there's not, they're not there, you know, so exploit that. Push the pace. You, know, you, you don't have to exploit it necessarily um, emotionally. You, you exploit it by 
getting back to the leg, get putting them back in that position, pushing the pace, you know, pushing, pulling, you know, just tech, technical things. This is great stuff, Thomas. Great stuff. Um, I guess to, to the to the tournament itself and the you know draws come out and it's like Aguyev, right? I don't know. Where were you when you saw the draws? Were you in your hotel? Were you? I don't know if you guys could even get around very much, but like, where were you when you saw the draws? What do you think? Or do you immediately have conversations with coaches or just reflect or how do you like see the draws and then prepare how, whatever pre preparing looks like? Yeah. So I remember, I think the draws came out at like 2 PM uh, local time in Tokyo. And I remember I worked out in the morning and I came back and I got a little nap in and I woke up and it was about 2 15. I was like, all right, well, um, we'll jump on Twitter because that's kind of the, the easiest yeah. place to find anything because, you know, everybody in the wrestling community is going to be talking about it. Yep. So I jumped on Twitter and found the bracket and Ugoya first round. And it's kind of funny because somebody came the out with a bracket. <laughs> yeah, and I had Ugoya first round. So um, Did you fall for that, the fake one? I did at first. For, 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 for a split second because I was like, wow, you know, the brackets are out really early. You know, I, yeah. didn't, I didn't think anything other than that, you know, but then yeah. – I saw some of the comments, you know, and everyone's kind of laughing. Oh, you got me. I was like, oh, it's a fake bracket. But uh -huh. it was very legit. You know, it was, it was like <laughs> UWW format. So Everybody was, got got, I think. Kudos to him. But, yeah, you know, I saw I had Ugoyev, and it was kind of funny because I worked out with um, uh, Yanni that morning. And I, I do this thing where I grab the wrist a certain way, and I kn knew that if I wrestle Goyev, if I grab his wrist like that, he'll be able to shoot underneath me because he does kind of a, he'll kind of reach up and then go uh, sweep to my, my lead leg. And so I was having Yanni kind of do that same thing. If I reached up with my, my hand a certain way to sweep underneath it. And so I just kind of felt that a couple of times. And I was like, all right, now I'm going to grab it this way just in case I wrestle Goyev. Cause I just kind of didn't have a feeling, but, it was kind of maybe unconsciously, you know, I had a feeling and we were kind of working on that, working on that. And uh, he wasn't able to sweep me then. And then we just kind of went on to work out and, and cut weight. And, and that was that. But then we go back and have a Goyev first match. So it's kind of funny um, how that kind of worked out. But I, I try not to um, look at the bracket. I mean, you look at the bracket, the whole bracket, just because you kind of start at the top and you work your way down to see where you're at. And because uh, I wasn't seated or nothing, so I had no idea where I was going to be drawn in, you know. Um, so I saw that, you know, Turkey and Iran were on the top side of the bracket. And then, you know, Uzbekistan and China were right above me. I had a winner of that in the second round. Um, but I wasn't really worried about that. You know, I saw it, but I didn't think about it too much. Uh, I just wanted to worry about Ugoyev because, I mean, I had to be had to be ready to go. You know, he's a two-time world champion, Olympic gold medalist. So I had to be – all my energy and focus had to be on that guy. I just had to – focus on him and then when that job's done I can worry about the next guy and then um that's kind of how me and coach Cody talked about it you know let's let's talk about this guy and then when you're done I'll have a a, a brief for you for your next match um but um unfortunately we didn't get there I mean we got there to, to a second match third match but um yeah that's just kind of how it went just worried about that that first guy and and put all my energy there and whatever happened next uh we worry about then, you know, then it was, it's just very humbling. You know, you got, you lose to this guy in, in a tight match and then you got to cheer for him to win his next two matches. 
And uh, I was just hoping we didn't have a Metcalf effect. You know, I think that <laughs> yeah. time kind of goes around because he was out. completely exhausted. Yeah. You know, they're, he's laying on the ground and he's on deck and they're shaking out his legs and his arms. I'm like, oh, oh no. Because the, the Uzbek guy had China and, and he just kind of rolled him up pretty, pretty, fairly easily. So, uh, and he's a, he's a decent, decent opponent too. So it was, it was close. It was, it was, I'm thankful yeah. that he pulled it through. Um, okay. So to the Uguiv match, and I hope you don't take offense, but did you, were you present the whole time and you just got beat or, you know, obviously it was a late score, right? Or, or did you lose that focus presence, um, kind of thing? I think that, um, you know, I just kind of maybe stopped wrestling for a little bit. You know, it's 46 seconds left and you just scored and you're up and then you just go defense mode. And that's kind of where I get, I get beat a lot. You know, it's something we've been working on, you know, short time goes, you know, whether you're behind or you're ahead, you know, I usually do better if I'm behind short time go, cause there's yeah. nothing, you don't have anything to lose, but, um, being ahead with short time was something that I really struggle, struggle with, you know, we worked on it a lot and I just kind of had that um you know I just wasn't wasn't moving my feet you know I think I was present I just my, my focus changed from from wrestling just wrestling to, to winning you know and, and for me that that doesn't work you know I just got to mm -hmm. wrestle you know get back to his leg get back to that seatbelt position where I was kind of hammering him um I just wasn't moving my feet and he kind of got underneath me and we got in that funky position and you know he took me back and scored you know um maybe it was a a lapse of being present, I think definitely it was, you know, I was going from just wrestling to, to winning, you know, and, and that doesn't, you know, don't, don't go out there to win, you know, go out there and wrestle to score points and, and have fun, you know, so I kind of um, maybe took myself too serious those last 46 seconds, you know, you kind of freak, freak yourself out a little bit, but, you know, it was, it was a good match, you know, I, I have nothing negative to say about myself other than just wrestle, you know, you, you had them, you know, just keep, Keep the pressure on him and, and and make him feel it. You know, make him feel anxious. Don't don't put that pressure on yourself. You know, you just go out, just keep wrestling. That's all that matters. It's like so easy to say and so hard to do. From from you know ten year olds to kids in the high school district finals to anywhere in between to the Olympics. There's that I'm winning. Okay, right? Like I don't know. It's it's really easy to say. Yeah, just wrestle. Don't worry about it. But to actually yeah. and, pull and, it off is something else. Yeah, and that, I think that's just the difference between between being the champion and being bronze. You know, that that's just that's plain black and white right there. You know, um, I think that if I just fix that, and it's maybe more of a an, an emotional or, or or mental thing. You know, than physical. You know, physical, you just go out there and do it. But um, there's a fine line between just shutting your mind off and going and and calculating too much. So you got to find that line with 46 seconds left and <laughs> wrestling the best guy in the world. So. Yeah, it's just, uh, just continue to work on it. It's all it's all you can do, and I think that's just the difference between being the champion and being and not. It's a it's a very fine line at this level, at any level really. You know, like you said, from ten year olds to all the way up through the Olympic Games, it's it's a fine line. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, obviously, you wrestled great first match and and the others. Um, how do you assess your performance? Obviously, bronze medal, it's fantastic, but just like, just just. Uh, take the emotion away and happiness of winning, right? How do you assess like the, the what happened on the mat, physically, emotionally, whatever you want to call it, but in those six minutes? Well, it's eighteen, I think, right? Just the three matches. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought I wrestled good. I mean, it was probably the best I've ever wrestled in my life. Um, best I've ever felt physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. 
uh, I think it's just like what we talked about, just that that one thing we just need to continue to work, you know, that last those short time goes, 46 seconds, you know, it's going to be engraved in my mind. You know, I can see it right now. Um, you know, I'm not losing any sleep over it. Maybe I should. Um, but I thought I wrestled really good. You know, I was hitting attacks. I was hitting good techniques. I was finishing quick and crisp. Um, it wasn't perfect, you know, even in that Iranian match, you know, I was winning, you know, seven to zero and, you know, you end up on my leg and we're scrambling and he pushes me out. And it's just, you know, I look back or I hear coach Cody in the corner. He's like, just wrestle, you know, just go get another takedown. And then boom, I'm right back in there. I, I score. And I think I go up nine, one, you know, it's just, um, technically I think it was, it was, it was pretty good. Um, just got to work on those, those short time tactics, you know, just, just be a winner, you know, just wrestle, just be a winner. That's, that's the biggest takeaway for me. So it's, it's encouraging going into this next world championships. Um, you know, it's not that far away, you know, the work, there's some work to be done, obviously physically and technically just got to stay sharp and, and on top of my game, get my weight back down, but just work on that one area and put a lot of effort into it. And, uh, we're going to do it. And then I think we're, we'll be world champion. Yeah, I, I'm pumped. Absolutely. Obviously, you secured the spot. Um, I, I want to know the difference, and maybe not in the moment, because losing for gold probably feels bad, and winning for bronze feels good, right? Um, but compare, like, bronze in 2017 to, to um, excuse me, silver in 2017 to bronze. Silver at the Worlds to bronze in the Olympics, I don't know, a week later, or not in the moment, because I get it. Yeah. But uh, overall. Yeah. I think... I mean, people have been throwing around the statistic that, you know, bronze medal recipients are happier than silver medal recipients. <laughs> you know, that's pretty, I mean, it's hard, you know, to lose your last match, you know, and, and find the positive in that, you know, but it is a silver medal, you know, it's nothing to, um, nothing to be ashamed of, you know, yeah, you lost, you know, but as long as you put out your best effort and, and you came out, you know, um, on the bottom side of that match, it's nothing to be uh, ashamed of, you know, and, um, I don't know. I think, uh, in 2017, I, I was still pretty proud of myself, you know, but it was, I don't know. There's, there's a difference, but not really, you know, silver and bronze, you know, the only difference is, you know, silver, you're in the match and, and you have a medal no matter what. And bronze medal match, if you lose, you, you don't get a medal. And I was there in, in 2018. So what's that have to do with it? I don't know. Um, it's just nice to – it feels good to, to win that last match, uh, you know, but then you, then you take a step back and there's two more colors above you, two more flags flying above yours. So um, I don't think there's much of a difference between the silver medal in 17 and the bronze here in 2021 other than the fact that I'm one step down on the totem pole and we got two more steps to go. Um, but I'm still proud of myself. You know, I'm proud of – 2017 and probably 2021 you know but there's still work to be done and it's i'm not hanging up my hat by any means so um i think that's uh exciting you know there's still work to be done so i'm pretty excited about that yeah uh all right we were talking just a little bit off camera before we got started about like uh japan and Nakatagawa and maybe just customs and like yeah a couple full pause and i wasn't you know, you just don't know the culture. Did you feel more out of place in in Niketsugawa or Dagestan? Because I know you told us this whole big, long Dagestan story. Um, or that whole region. I know you traveled around to a couple places. Yeah. 
definitely in um in the Katagawa in Japan feel a little bit more out of place because I mean Russia you you, you kind of know a little bit about their customs a little bit you know because you're around these guys all the time you know uh, whether it's at the World Championships the Olympic Games you know France tournament whatever it is you know you kind of observe them you kind of know kind of how they operate a little bit you know I didn't really I wasn't around you know people of Japanese culture that much so it was kind of um, it was an awakening a little bit, you know, there's just a lot of different things, you know, the, the bowing, you know, there's a lot of bowing, you know, shaking hands, they're not really touchy people, you know, so shaking hands really isn't a big thing. So when you go out to, you know, they're bowing and you're sticking out your hand and, and they don't know what to do and you're not sure what they're doing and, they, and you just kind of laugh about it and move on. And then, you know, everyone kind of figures it out as you go. Um, but yeah, I definitely felt it was a little bit more of an adjustment in, in Japan than, than Dagestan because, uh, we're just, just, you know, not familiar with it at all. You know, I wasn't around it at all. Yeah. We've, you've announced, right, you're, you're uh, wrestling in Oslo at October, first week of October, something like that. You don't even have to go to the trials, mm-hmm. which is, is very nice for you. Um, why, why? I mean, it seems obvious, but I don't know. You know you've been training since for a long time. Yeah, I think that um... – why that's i mean that's a good question i guess i never asked myself why other than um i think there's still it, it's fairly soon right i mean we got time to to get a, a good one hard training cycle in and, and we're rocking and rolling so but it but it's pretty it's pretty close you know and so we might as well just stay on the horse and keep things rolling and i'm healthy i feel good you know i wanted to, to wait a couple of days to, to really decide you know everyone's kind of making their announcement and and my first instinct was, yeah, let's go, let's do it. You know, let's stay on the horse and keep the guys together. Let's just go do it. Um, it's just what soldiers do, right? You just stay on the campaign. But um, I felt like that was maybe a, a rash emotional decision. Just, you know, you, you're on this high, you know, and you just want to ride it. But, like, let's get off this high a little bit. Let's get home, talk to the wife, get her opinion, uh, make sure everything's good around the, the homestead here, and, and then we'll make a, a logical decision. Because, you know, my wife, she's – 23 weeks pregnant, you know, so, um, I got to get her blessing <laughs> first and foremost, <laughs> you know, if she's not comfortable with it and then, then I can't do it. But, you know, we had a, the conversation and, and, um, is she really happy about me leaving for another two weeks, three weeks? No, she'd like me to stay, but, um, she understands and she wants me to do what, what I want to do. And so I, I appreciate her support in that. And then, uh, as back to the question why um i mean it's a unique opportunity you know with covid you have an opportunity to win two world medals an olympic medal and a world medal um two months apart you know so that's, that's a very unique opportunity and, and you know why not you know let's let's, let's do it you know I, like i said i got two more two more rungs to get get up two more colors are are, are above me so uh, i think that the gold medal is is mine i just got to go out there and, and take it and, and wrestle my best like i did and and um then we can come back and reevaluate and move forward from there. If if um, if he takes his spot, I assume Russia's going to send, but I really don't know. Oguyev, I believe, will be the one. You'll be the four. Are, are you hoping he shows up? Would you like to see him again and get another crack at that? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. You know, I, I want I want that match back. Um, I don't know how bad he wants the match back because he skinned by on the on the skin of his teeth. Um, but I think. You know, immediately after the match, you know, I, I, the adjustments I'm making in my head, and I, I just think that 
that I have his number, you know, and I'm in the advantage position. You know, I lost. You know, I have nothing to lose. You know, he's the one that beat me, so he's he's all the pressure's on him. So I want that match back. Um, you know, just kind of push the pace. And I felt him, and I've never felt him before. And he's he's very small and short. You know, and and I, I wasn't. Man, I've been around him, but I didn't really realize you know how small he was um, until we got out there. So just having my my level a little bit lower. You know, he got to my leg. Um, couple times and just uh, just keep getting to him. I think if I get to him more in that first period, it's going to pay dividends in that second period. You know, the guy was completely exhausted. And, and the point isn't to get him exhausted, but um, it does make things easier in that second period if you use that first period, um, no matter what the score is, you know. So just going out there and, and getting to his leg and getting to his body, you know, more in that first period. And, um, you know, there won't be so much – time kind of feeling each other out you know it's a lot maybe 45 seconds to a minute and a half there where we're kind of playing footsie kind of trying to figure out you know flirting around the issue and before we kind of start going after each other you know now that's normal you know it's high level athletes you know you don't want to make a, a grave mistake there in, in the beginning but uh, I don't think you know next time there's not going to be that that getting to know each other time because we already know each other so let's go fight heck yeah um and the team right team USA like balled out women did great women's freestyle men's freestyle was there any part of that like feeding on each other momentum like oh yeah not oh yeah we're badasses but like yeah we're here team usa we're, we're yeah i think just the energy was good everyone was was very positive and and you know it was really good energy uh, i think they definitely fed off each other and and i was very happy to be the first day you know with men's freestyle me and david kind of uh, starting things off, even though Dave probably did a lot more than I did as far as winning and getting into the, the finals that first day. But I felt like the energy that I brought, you know, to the, to the weigh-in and, and to the to the tournament, my first match, um, and then just being positive throughout the day and, and just being peppy through my weight cut, you know, being around everybody. It, it was just a good good experience kind of starting things off that way. And I think that we just kind of rode that, that wave of, of positivity. You know, it was uh, – everyone you know throughout the whole training camp everyone's very upbeat and positive and you know everyone you know got along and and uh you know there's some honoriness every now and then which is expected when we're getting down to go time but it was just uh it was really good it was a good time it was really fun one thing you said i had some pep in my weight cut that's not necessarily easy to do maybe it's easier than you would think but i don't know um but it does seem important because, like, I mean, we talked about it at the beginning of the show, right? Weight cut, staying within eight pounds, and just that, that's a miserable part of the sport or, or an undesirable part of the sport, right? And it's, but it's required the maintenance and the cutting at the end. How did you determine or how were you able to keep peppiness in your weight cut? Um, I mean, you got to do it anyways, so you might as well make it somewhat enjoyable, you know? Yeah. Um, there's I something. Love it. You know, I remember being in, in the sauna area with Dave, and, and I was kind of feeling, you know, you always feel a little bit um, down, you know. You're like, oh, I'm getting close to weight, and I'm thirsty, yeah. and tired, and it's late, and whatever. But there's this, there's this uh, proverb that I always go back to. I think it's an African proverb. It kind of goes, if you, can, if you can talk, you can sing. If you can walk, you can dance. So it's kind of like, if you can... If I'm upright and I'm able, so there's no sense in bitching and moaning about the process, you know, be grateful and thankful for the opportunity. You know, I had a lot to be thankful for. You know, I got pulled back in the tournament. I've got two more matches and I can go for a bronze medal and, and, and really do something that not a lot of people are able to do. And, you know, you put in perspective, 
you know, not a lot, not a lot of people would give their arm to, to cut weight and be in that position, but a lot of people would give their arm to be at the Olympic games and, and to compete. So just kind of keeping things in perspective, you know, we made it this far and, and uh, there's a lot to be thankful and grateful for, you know, we're at the Olympic games, we're in Tokyo, you know, it's uh, there's a lot of things to, to smile and be positive about, you know, so instead of kind of running around, wrestling and rolling around getting the sound and just moping around, you know, have a little bit of levity and, and just uh, enjoy the process because it's just not an enjoyable thing. But if you can find the enjoyment in the, in the little things and the hard things, then your life is just so much better. Um, so there's no sense in, in complaining about anything. You know, you just keep it in perspective. And, and the opportunity that we had was, was amazing. You know, so we've got to capitalize on it and, and be as positive, as positive as we can. Yeah, I love it. I love it. This this is fantastic stuff. And I always enjoy catching up. Oh, I want to move on move on to our segment with Rich, the intern. We got Rich. Uh, well, Rich has some questions for you. So, Rich, whenever you're Let's ready, man, take it away. Hey, how's it going, Thomas? <clears throat> Sorry. What's up? Um, so I read somewhere that you said the pandemic gave you time to reflect on things, and you felt like wrestling became more of a job and you kind of questioned how much fun you were having with the sport. I know leaving Iowa was one of the things that kind of helped you with that. Was there any other things that you did to kind of make it a more enjoyable experience for you? Maybe stuff like outside of wrestling? Yeah, so I'll, I'll go to the, the wrestling part and then outside of the wrestling part. You know, um, you know, I was I was ready to be done with the sport. You know, I, th- I think a lot of it came from, from the weight cut and just kind of, you know, it was – just hard you know it was not an enjoyable process for me um so i wanted to go to tokyo and win and and you know hang it up after that um but making the change and you know change of environment and change of uh routine and the way i kind of go about my weight cut and my training you know i kind of i make i kind of funny about it but i kind of say i had a a renaissance in my wrestling career you know kind of found the enjoyment in the sport again found the love for the art again um and it's a hard it's a hard thing you know it's a stressful thing to do you know i always joke you know everyone says they want to be tom brady but they don't want the ball on the five yard line with the game on the line (laughs) nobody wants that stress you know but everyone wants to be tom brady but they really don't you know they they don't want that but the thing that tom brady does really well is uh, he enjoys um the process and every step of the way so I figured, you know, if I wasn't enjoying myself in this in this sport, in this art, you know, I, I there's plenty of other things I can do that I might be good at that are a lot less stressful and a lot less taxing on my body and that give me a lot more time to spend with my wife and at home. So just a uh, change, of, change of scenery and, and that was a big thing. And just, um, you know, I kind of, COVID kind of really put, put things in perspective, right? You know, in the beginning, we're locked down, we're stuck at home, you know, we, you have a lot of time just kind of sit and think you can't really occupy yourself with with things outside of your own brain, you know, really, you know, I mean, you can dumb yourself down and stay on social media all day and whatever. But um, I really started to, to have an appreciation for just life in general. And my wife, you know, at the time, we weren't married yet, we we're going to get married in October. But just uh, realizing that there, there's more to life than the sport of wrestling and, and just kind of finding slowly finding my identity outside of the sport, you know, kind of helped help that as well, you know, because uh, I'm, I'm not always going to be a wrestler, you know, they say once a wrestler, always a wrestler, you know, but I don't want to have my ident- identity tied to wrestling only, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a husband, you know, soon to be father, 
Um, and I want to be great at those things, you know, so just finding the appreciation for just like life and things outside the sport and kind of not taking myself too seriously. You know, I think for a long time, uh, it was just, I was just too intense and, and, you know, I took myself super serious and I didn't really find the enjoyment really outside of why well, I kind of lost the enjoyment within the sport, but I really didn't have much enjoyment outside of the sport, you know, so taking time to, to spend time at home and just kind of find that stillness with my wife and, and my dogs and, and uh, yeah, just kind of just taking a step back and realizing that life is bigger than the sport of wrestling. You know, and that's kind of the biggest thing that COVID has made me realize, you know, and there's so much, you know, chatter and, and bull crap and everyone's just at each other's throats for really no reason, you know, just kind of finding, you know, finding the love, you know, for, for mankind and humanity and, and finding the positive in every situation. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah, yeah, it did. Thanks. Um, I just got two more questions for you. I know on the NCAA level, you've had um, some shortcomings. Do you feel like those things helped grow you into the world and Olympic medalist that you are today? Um, I guess, has it, or, you know, either that or has it just been for you, like, move on to the next thing? Yeah, I think, I think definitely it's helped springboard me to where I'm at. You know, I, I think back, you know, to my college years, I remember writing, you know, go back, reading my journals and stuff. I never, even back when I was a kid, you know, I never set a goal to be an NCAA champion. You know, my goal has always been to be a world Olympic gold medalist. So I think part of that, you know, one, one thing I learned was, you know, set process goals, you know, because, you know, I was in college, so you might as well win an NCAA title or two, you know, and then let's move on to the worlds. But I, I, I kind of looked past the NCAAs in a way. I think that loss to Darian Cruz um, and the semis there really helped propel me because I didn't wrestle in that match. You know, I just kind of, I was trying to win, you know, and we talked about that earlier, you know, when if I go out there and try to win, you know, I usually lose, you know, so I just got to go out there and wrestle and just kind of be myself and let my skills be showcased. Um, so I think that really helped springboard me because, you know, going into the, the last chance qualifier and then the, the trials that year, I just kind of had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder, like, Hey, I'm here, so I might as well just wrestle as hard as I can and and just go at it. You know, like what's the worst thing that can happen? I can I can I can lose. That's the worst thing. So it's better to kind of go out there swinging and lose than to go out there and try to win and and lose. And so I think um, it definitely helped springboard me that way. You know, I, I had a decent college career, but probably not. Um, as good as it could have been or, or should have been, you know, could have, should have, would have. But I think it kind of put perspective on my career and, and, and made me look at things a little bit different uh, in my international career. All right, last question for you. What are some of your other hobbies uh, outside of wrestling? Coffee. Oh, man. Yeah, I love the coffee. You know, if I can find a good coffee shop, you know, I'll be there. Um, making coffee at home is, is big for me, too. I like just kind of the slow process of, of making my own coffee. You know, just the pour over, you know, everything from, you know, grinding the beans, smelling them and and the they call it the bloom, you know, where you the first kind of pour you do, you know, the, the coffee beans kind of bloom up. You know, it's just it's kind of slow, you know, it's tedious, but it's kind of fun. You just kind of have a little, little slow morning. But beyond the coffee, um, I just like to work, you know, do physical things with my hands. You know, I'm always, you know, in the garden, you know, digging things up. Um you know, I got my chickens, you know, I like taking care of them. You know, they're, they're 
funny animals. You know, they take a lot of, they don't take a lot of attention, but I give them a lot of attention. I, I, I think they take a lot of attention, but they really don't. You can just leave them as long as the coyote don't get them. They're pretty much fine, but I'm out there all the time checking on them, making sure everything's good, change their water and, and yeah, just anything physical, you know, I, you know, before the trials, um, I really kept my mind, my mind busy, I guess, with, uh, with building things, you know, so I built a, a chicken coop for my, my new chickens. And then after the trials, I, I got a little squirrely and built a sh another shed here at my house and which was completely irresponsible because of the lumber prices, you know, it cost me four <laughs> times as much as it should have. But, uh, that's just things I enjoy, you know, it's things I did growing up with my grandfather, you know, just, you know, he had a construction company and, and a side job, you know, when he retired. So we were always pouring concrete or busting out sidewalks or even going to the farm and fixing fences and feeding cows and whatever it might be. So anytime I can do something physical, whether it's, you know, carpentry and, and building sheds or chicken coops, um, shoveling rock, you know, anything physical like that is, is, is a hobby for me. And people kind of roll their eyes like, that's not a hobby, but it is for me. I, I enjoy it. So... Love it. That it, Rich? Yeah, yeah, thanks. All right, thanks, Thomas. Yeah, no um, Hey, I guess you, you talked about the pour over. This made me think, like, during the pandemic, when things were shut down, could you go to your coffee shops, or was it like, is that where comes the home pour over? Well, in Iowa, when we're still there, um, everything was still open. It was just everything was takeout. You know, so you kind of had to order it on the, on the app, on the phone, and then you could go and pick it up. And so that's just not as enjoyable for me. So I like to go there and just kind of hang out and read and even just yep. sitting there, just enjoying your coffee, you know, just change the scenery, just kind of people watch, yep. you know, but um, yeah, you couldn't do that with COVID. And then even, even like trying to get beans ordered to your house, you know, everyone's ordering stuff. So like you're saying, everything's take forever, you know? So I did a lot of pour overs, you know, in the beginning of COVID, but you know, when I was trying to get fresh beans, new beans, you know, there'd be days where I'd have to go to the coffee shop and get one to go because take forever to get my beans there's no dang beans everything's in short supply yeah. um last thing congratulations your wife's pregnant you can be a father i know you're gonna do you're gonna be an you. amazing father boy or girl do you know give me and a girl little girl yeah we're all coming to girls are great yeah oh congratulations yeah yeah oh thomas gilman's gonna be a daddy you excited you freaking yeah. you're pumped up I'm, aren't you i'm really excited yeah, yeah. what's the due date I'm really excited december 12th December 12th. All right. That'll be after yeah. world. So, oh, plenty of time. Yeah. Yeah. At least. Yeah. No, like this Bill's Bill Zadick. What was it? Two years ago, three years ago, I think had a baby during worlds or he didn't go to worlds cause he was going to have a baby. Yeah. Right. 2019 in 19. Kazakhstan. Yeah. So, yeah. Awesome. Sweet man. Well, we look forward to, uh, one, thanks for, thanks for joining us today. It's always fun talking and catching up and what an insightful conversation on so many different levels um and we look forward to catching up with you or at least watching you down in oslo at the world championships in october so i'll give you the last word though thomas anything you want to say about anything no i just think that um just be kind to each other you know spread some positivity be nice to each other it's easy to be mean so just be positive that's all i got awesome thomas thanks so much appreciate it have a great day yeah thank you right. thank appreciate you it. adios all right, that's gonna do it, Rich. What'd you think? That was a uh, that was a real insightful conversation. I'm definitely glad I got to be a fly on the wall for that one. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a. Uh, it's always insightful, very cerebral talking to Gilman, and, and I always I always enjoy catching up with them and just 
pers- continues to evolve and grow and, and its perspective and getting in touch with the emotional side and all kinds of stuff. But uh, yeah, fantastic show. Kind of a long one today, but I was, I was glad to do it. So we'll be back tomorrow. Thanks so much for Rich the Intern. I'm Mark. We'll see you guys later.